I'm Debbie Foster from Tampa, Florida. After not one but two shout-outs on the last episode of the pod, I feel practically famous. I often wish I was the fifth best friend. Sit back and enjoy your time with these guys, and don't forget to subscribe. You too can be a Snow Day Pod superfan. It's April 11th, 2020. This is episode 34, COVID-3. Snow Day, I'm hoping for a snow day. You, might, you, you can put this back at the beginning of the pod. You should probably mention that this is the first time out of the 33 episodes that we're actually able to see each other. Like we're doing Zoom Yeah, I should, I should mention that. Because it's topical to coronavirus, right? Yeah. Second, I think that we can all see each other because the Watchmen pod, we were all there. Yeah. But hammered. Well, yeah. <laughs> we, we could see each other, but it was really kind of blurry. <laughs> Steve was always at a 45-degree angle to the side, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Screaming. <laughs> I, was, I was glad we had the audio because I couldn't remember. This beat is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right on top. Here's the disclaimer. There is going to be some swearing. There's going to be a few things that border on inappropriate. It's not our professional selves. There's nothing here we're embarrassed about. Somewhere between a church basement and a locker room. If that sounds okay to you, we can't wait to have you along. And if not, I guess we'll catch you on the flip side. This is the Snow Day Podcast with CEO Leslie Hansen. Just to kind of tie a, a little bit of a business angle to it, uh, I'll run the risk of Bruce, you know, throwing a audio montage over top of me as I start to talk about business. Dr. George Alvarez, or... I'm more shallow than I thought, maybe. Me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. I really thought I would miss not seeing all those groups of people very regularly, and I like being connected to our community. That's kind of part of my identity, I think. But so far, this is okay, too. Leadership expert Stephen DeGroote. I think I realized more than ever just how disorganized I am. I live in disorganization. It's the heart of the Easter weekend. We're still all social distancing. It's our third check-in of the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's just go around the horn. Our check-in typically involves somebody flying halfway around the world, and now it involves like going from the bathroom to the fridge. This is the way you are on my screen. So, uh, Lester, you're first. What's going on, man? Since checking in for the last podcast, I have done absolutely nothing. <laughs> I leave my house a couple times a day to walk my dog. And uh, that's about it. I haven't traveled. I haven't gone out. Uh, a couple small errands that uh, we've run in the neighborhood. But for the most part, we've been here getting things delivered and uh, living a life of monk-like solitude. <laughs> been fucking fantastic. <laughs> getting good at hanging out at home. I say that with healthy doses of honesty and sarcasm mixed together equally, I think. And next on my screen, going around the horn, Georgie. Two days since Steve's 50th birthday, so a little shout out. The last podcast, we shouted out your birthday, so it's uh, 
Steve and Dave's birthday, which is always uh, a nice time of year for me to remember. Lots of good memories together. I have just had my first clinical week of service done yesterday after being off for a whole month. And you know, you guys know I was sort of um, biting at the bit to get into the uh, the thick of it. And I will be happy to tell you guys how well prepared our healthcare system is. At least I can speak for Calgary. And I just had a fantastic clinical week. I've uh, really made a difference and it was super fun working as a team. George and I, when we go into work right now as healthcare workers, as we should, we get screened on the way into work every day now. So you got to tell them about the, the questions because I just love this. Yeah, obviously I have, when I started my clinical week, Eight days ago, I had five COVID patients uh, in the ICU, and it became a running joke because it was the same people screening me over the weekend. They would uh, say, have you had any exposure to COVID? I'm all, yeah, 100% of the patients in the ICU. And they just all went crazy. <laughs> and, and then they realized who I was, and then it just sort of became a little bit of a funny thing. When, when people ask me, yeah, have you had any exposure to COVID? Yes for like 10 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Stevie D, you're next on my list. What's going on, man? Yeah, well, I probably took my last trip for a long time. I flew this week from Montreal to Winnipeg. So it's going to be probably my last trip in a while. Yeah, so I've just been... It better be. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, started my third rotation of self-isolation. I go out for walks with the boys, spread out. Bray and I will go, and then Zane and I will be running uh, lots of video games. So we've been playing uh, PS4 uh, with the boys and some board games and yeah just doing a lot of video calls i know i always have a lot of networks and people to connect with but during this crisis with everybody needing things i realize holy smokes i have a lot of people that i'm uh, i'm helping so it's been super super busy uh but fun and exciting but everybody's healthy here at home uh, and safe. So uh, we're good. My uh, world took a li little bit of a different turn. I got called back to work, which was kind of strange for me. So I worked from home for a couple weeks and then some stuff sort of blew up and uh, my boss wanted me back. So I've now spent sort of a week and a half going back to the office, which is which is really kind of strange for me. And it is, it's funny how you're, your feelings change a little bit. It's a little unnerving now going back to a building full of people and, you know, trying to do everything we can to stay apart but in the end it's an office building and you you know you kind of meet people in the hall and and all of that stuff so that's been a little bit of a, a different change for me maybe in a small way it was okay Paige came back from Winnipeg on Sunday so she had been hanging out at the condo and staying there but she decided to come back now for the summer and and we've locked in hard to our house but now Marnie and I went from two people to four people you guys have all been there it's a cool house but it's not huge so Maybe a, a little bit slower integration to all four of us being in there all the time isn't uh, isn't a bad thing. So it's been a good week, though. Super awesome to have her back. Luckily, we're a bunch of laid back people, so it's uh, it's going pretty smooth. The only kind of funny little uh, COVID thing I think I had, producer Mike, we were out here at the lake and we're lucky we got a chance to kind of spread out. And even out here, we don't you know, spend too much time together. And uh, he came to drop something off. It was like a shovel or something. And he was close-ish to me and just the way the sun was shining you could see a piece of spit went flying out of his mouth like just you know one of those little ones as he was talking to me and i dodged it like the matrix <laughs> <I was like>, <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> so i think i'm okay but yeah that's what's been going on i have another funny story that just happened last night obviously there's lots of baking happening in our house megan's quite a good baker and i hate it because i have no willpower so i'm just 
gorging on all the baking. Because you're a good eater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like there's there's Alex in the Alex background. is baking an apple pie as you say that. <laughs> yeah. We went to make cupcakes last night for Friday. You know, because it's it was Good Friday yesterday. I'm a good raised Catholic. I had fish, and so we decided to bake. Well, the fire extinguisher is where all the baking stuff is, and I've had it up high for years. I've got two fire extinguishers. It fell and exploded in our kitchen. Have you ever seen a fire extinguisher explode? It's crazy. I actually posted a little bit of a video on my Instagram account of what it looked like. It was like a German discotheque all of a sudden. It was like super hazy everywhere, and the lights were shining coned down. And I was closing doors and open like and then opening the windows and it was just a fucking gong show. We ended up cleaning for an hour and a half last night because this fine silt chlorine based, you know, extinguisher uh, powder went everywhere on the on the top floor and into the basement. So that's how we spent Good Friday night. Like we literally cleaned for an hour and a half. Dude, it exploded like a bag of shit. Like it just. George, did the canister like bounce around the room like a projectile? No, no. I was hoping like like going back. No, no. I was on. I was in the the living room when it happened, and I heard this scream, and I turned around, and instantaneously we were in smoke. And the first thing, just so you know where I am on the pecking order, Megan grabbed the dog and ran upstairs. <laughs> pushed the kids out of the way so the dog could be safe. And so I started videotaping this and Seb is laughing. Zara starts dancing in the middle of our, of our living room like it's like a dance party. No one was concerned that we were inhaling this noxious chlorine-based extinguisher fluid. And I'm just going, okay, no panic here. But uh, Penny Poo Poo is safe. Smell it! You smell it! Hey, fun, son! Nothing else in the world smells like that! I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Yeah, that happened last night. At least it's not the COVID. So, you know, that was the, the sentiment probably. So Bruce, to let you know, at this point, I've been kicked out of the zoo. Everybody Steve froze up. Froze. Yeah, we, we lost Steve. Back on. All right. Another great pod coming up. Let's make let's make fun of him while we can't talk we about this. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be another amazing pod without Steve. <laughs> oh, there he's back. back. Shit. We're not Catholic, but we went fishing yesterday, Georgie. We went ice fishing and caught a couple of pickerel for breakfast this morning. It was great. Can I just call George out on, did I hear you say you were raised as a good Catholic? Uh, Christmas and Easter. Yes. And for baptisms. Am I wrong, guys? Do you ever remember George going to church when we were kids? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, we went to different churches. But did you get up and go to mass every week? No, no, no. I don't believe in yeah. uh, organized religion. <laughs> But my mother was very Catholic. Yeah. Just, <laughs> so you yeah. were, what you meant to say is you were raised by good Catholics. <laughs> Correct. But to this day, every good Friday, yeah. I eat fish. fish. Yeah. And often on Fridays, I eat fish. Because if you're a devout Catholic. That's a huge sacrifice. <laughs> I go fishing at Costco or Safeway and I bring back fish. I used to look forward to when I was living in Kensington Market. I looked forward to good Fridays because you'd wake up early in the morning and go down on the street. Like I'd always go out and get my coffee. There were four different fishmongers on my street in the market there. And they would all be setting up the charcoal grills on the street really early in the morning. And they would cook fish on the street all day long on Good Friday. And I, I really miss that now that I don't live in the market mm. anymore. Whew. Yeah, that was my closest ever experience with Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, Les, you'll experience Catholicism again when you go straight to hell <laughs> <laughs> for not believing in baby Jesus. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. The central yep. question of COVID three, the third podcast we've done during the during the pandemic, is what have you discovered about yourself, or what have you discovered about the people around you over the past three or four weeks? I think Lester, you're on what like day thirty something of basically being totally locked down. My number isn't quite the same. Even for all the rest of us, Steve's bounced around a bit. George goes into work, so there's a little bit more normalcy for him. But what, if anything, have you learned about yourself or the people around you through this? Well, without getting too deep into this, because I, I think we want to keep this you know, fairly light-spirited, and I'm really just starting to think about this a little bit, I think I'm realizing I really don't mind how much the pace of my life has slowed down, which is surprising to me because I would have thought it would drive me crazy. Last year, in 2019, I spent 77 nights outside of Toronto. Whoa. 17 or 23 trips that I took. You just get used to that lifestyle and used to a life where you get up in the morning and I got shit to do today. I got to go, I got to go. I got so many things going on. And all of a sudden, to bring that to a screeching halt is bizarre. But now that it's starting to sink in enough, like you said, I'm, I'm over 30 days, I'm starting to realize uh, I don't mind it. I don't mind a little bit slower pace of life and maybe it's not a bad thing. And you start wondering, you know, when we get back to, you know, whatever the new normal is, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to get back to normal, but when we get back to a new normal, I think we're all going to have some thinking to do on what aspects of this slowdown and, and self-isolation time we're actually going to choose to want to continue into, uh, into our regular lives. So I've been thinking about that quite a bit. And then the only other thing, just to kind of tie a, a little bit of a business angle to it, uh, I'll run the risk of Bruce, you know, throwing a audio montage over top of me as I start to talk about business. <laughs> the, the elevator music's coming back. Which has become one of my favorite parts of listening to the pod. <laughs> Hearing when you zone me up. Um, but no, like, no kidding, guys. I, I like, honestly, I don't know if I need an office for my software company. And I'm telling you now, George, we talked about this a little bit the other day on the phone. There are going to be some huge reckonings in the, in the business world as we come out of this to a new normal. One of them, an enormous one, is going to be in commercial real estate. Any of you listening, if you have a lot of commercial real estate exposure in your portfolios, might want to do some thinking on that. Because <laughs> I can't be alone in this as a, as a business owner and operator who's realizing, like, fuck, I write a pretty big check every month leasing office space in downtown Toronto which I've realized in the last 30 days that I can very efficiently run my business without. And uh, wow. Yeah, that's a, it's a, that's, that's insane. It's interesting to start thinking about. And, and you know, I like my office. I set it up as mm -hmm. a comfortable place. I'm like, I like coming to my office. It's great. It's kind of like my space. It's almost like my man cave, my office, right? Maybe I don't need that. If we do this for a long period of time, I get back to talking to my employees, how much they are going to say, yeah, you know what? I don't mind that I'm not schlepping on uh, public transit for 45 minutes each direction to the office every day. I kind of enjoyed working at home. And if you go through that as a business long enough and you have like a proof positive test uh, that you don't need an office, it's going to be an interesting uh, reckoning, I think, 
as we come out of this. So I just throw that as my business thought for the day for Bruce to bleep out. I'm curious where this is going to go with people with companies like yours. So my cousin Jeremy works for, and I'm embarrassed to say that I can't remember exactly who it is, but it's Amazon or Google or he's a he's a coder. He's a computer geek and awesome at it and has done very well. He got an offer. He lives in Vancouver, but an offer to work from home. And so for a year or so, he did exactly what we're talking about with a pot of people, some people in Seattle and some other places. And they found that they're better going to an office now, that there's creative energy and that they have to see each other. So I think there's a blend there, Les, and I don't know whether yep. it ends up being sort of those shared office space that we talked about where you maybe meet your team once a week at a an office space-ish kind of thing or you, you have to set up some face-to-face meetings, but part of your time is at home. And I, I don't think the work from home forever works for most of society or we probably would have got there earlier, but there is probably a blend that's coming up in our world is going to change, I think. Well, it's interesting too, when you think about, you know, I'm sure you guys have been reading a lot about this, you know, this whole um, sort of rationalization, almost turning on its head, what society deems as an essential service. And a lot of the, you know, sort of what you would I don't know, call the top of the ladder or top of the pay scale jobs really aren't that essential. Stuff closer to the bottom of the pay scale is essential. Holy shit, society can't function without people stocking shelves and delivering things and, and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. If you think about, right, and that's, and that's a really interesting, you know, conversation that's going to carry out over the next number of years, I'm sure. The types of businesses that own the really expensive commercial real estate, like who's in the office towers at Bay and King in Toronto, who's paying millions of dollars a month in lease payments? It's law firms, finance companies, consulting companies. It's all the jobs that you can do from home. The jobs that you can't do from home, right? Like if you're in manufacturing, you've got a warehouse out in Mississauga. You're not in downtown Toronto. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Those of us who can work from home tend to have the most expensive office space in the world. <laughs> like this is like in, in every city. Yeah. could be some interesting long-term effects on how cities are structured and, and how downtowns you know, are kind of put together. Interesting things to think about, start to think about. Yeah, no, for sure. And this is a, a real life test that we would have never done otherwise. And I've had an interesting look at that. Like I said, I was home for two weeks and then back in the office and I see both sides of it now. There is there is something to being close to the people that you work with, especially we're not in the same kind of crisis mode as George is, but in public health, these are these are busy times. There's a lot going on and yeah. there there is something to you know, sort of just being in the mix with everybody there, but yeah. we certainly don't need to do it. So yeah. Georgie. Similar things will also happen in healthcare, and I won't go, you know, deep into it, but it's similar to what Les had said. I think we've started to realize how inefficient, and everybody knows that healthcare should be run like a business, and it's not. It's ridiculously inefficient, and it's expensive, and it's bloated. And our ability to uh, trim the fat when we have to has actually been quite remarkable. And to Les's point, you start realizing the people that clean the beds, the nursing assistants, holy smokes, they become pretty important <laughs> real quick. Everybody thinks about the, you know, the nurses and the doctors, but you start realizing that the stratification of our healthcare system and what it takes, the people that clean up garbage, that change sheets, that, you know, disinfect a COVID patient after they pass away, those people become quite important and they have, I think, quite a secure job going forward. Now, I'm the one that brought up this question and I started to, I started to think about it and I realized, oh my God, I actually don't have an answer to this. I have discovered nothing about myself. 
I'm more shallow than I thought. I'll lighten it a little bit that it's reinforced a few things to me. I don't know if I've discovered anything new about me. I've certainly discovered, and I've said this before, the job I like, what I was meant to do, what I'm good at. I mean, it's, it's definitely been reinforcement. However, I've actually been thinking about two podcasts a lot since I've brought up that question yesterday. One was retirement. You know, we talked about retirement and heroes. And there is no question that my retirement, like Bruce has said, is not going to be like one day I stop working and that's the end of it. This time has reinforced to me that I will trickle down and try to keep working for as long as possible. Every person I know collegially was dying to get back to work because we had so many meetings on preparation and pandemic planning and dozens and dozens of hours of Zoom meetings a week. They were going crazy. They're like, please let me just take care of somebody without having to have another fucking Zoom meeting. <laughs> so that's interesting. So that, that reinforced the retirement thing. And the other thing that's kind of bugging me a little bit is you remember how anti-hero I was during our, you know, hero talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I keep seeing these memes of, you know, somebody in a face mask that clearly is supposed to be like a, a nurse or a doctor beside Thor and Captain America and Superman that was like <laughs> that all of a sudden the, the healthcare workers are these gigantic heroes. Now, I know the sentiment, like they're trying to be appreciative, but I don't want to be compared to a fictional character. Like Thor does not exist. It's a pretend person. It's fucking stupid. Why are you comparing me to mythology? I'm not mythical. Should be the other well, way around. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm not mythical. I mean, I've been training for this. We're good at it. Our healthcare system is going to support us. I... Maybe because I'm anti-hero, I don't think the people at the front lines are heroes. I think they're just people that are now in a stressful situation doing a job. And I understand that people are trying to be appreciative, but social media is just being stacked. I've had to stop looking at it for this last week of the comparisons of healthcare workers to heroes. And it's reminding me of 9-11. Like after 9-11, the first responders, they were just sort of, idolized in American culture. Now, if I come out of this and I get to get on the plane before everybody else, because of instead of like military personnel, are there any healthcare workers out there? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up and go, yeah, I got that because I used to be able to use my kids as an excuse to get on first. <laughs> yeah. So if there's ICU docs out there that want to board first, fucking rights, I'll take it. But otherwise, you know, stop the hero worship of healthcare workers. This is what we do. And we're not heroes in doing our job. I think it's ridiculous. Okay, well, George, I'm going to I'm going to throw something back at you. You know, we went back and forth at this when we recorded that hero podcast. We both know where we stand on this. Yeah, you don't want to be called a hero. I get it. You don't like the use of the term hero. Every night, and I don't know if it's all across the city of Toronto. I know it's in my neighborhood. Every night at 730, people open their windows, they go out on their balconies, they do whatever they do to get outside, and they cheer for a minute in support of healthcare workers in Toronto. Yeah. And every day at 7.30, I do that, even though it feels kind of silly. I open my window and I stick a pot lid and a spoon out the window <laughs> and I bang on it for a minute. And every day when I do that, I think of you. And I think, like I said before, I'm fucking proud of the work that you do. And it's a sign of appreciation. Yes. I'm not hero worshiping you. I'm telling you, I fucking appreciate it. I appreciate that you go in and, and you're on the front lines of this battle. And I appreciate everybody from you to the 
to the nursing staff, to the admin people checking people in and out of the hospital, to the uh, janitorial staff, which, as you said, are fucking sanitizing those hospitals like crazy right now and trying to keep it. And it's a sign of appreciation. So if we change it from hero worship to appreciation, can you allow yourself to, to absorb it and feel better about it? Because society wants to thank you right now. And I think you yeah. should take the thank you. I think you should take it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I think I would accept that. Perhaps it's tilted to very few. I think the umbrelling of doctors and nurses seem to be a little bit unfair, maybe because I work in a big team. And I think I have seen more posts about, um, you know, a list of 20 people that work in a hospital that you may not know about. Mm. So I, I guess that's true. And I'm not particularly, I mean, you guys know me, I'm not uncomfortable with praise. The other interesting part about that is I'm actually not doing anything different than I did a year ago. True. This has yeah. been magnified clearly. This will happen again in our lives for certain. And so it is interesting that in a crisis of this magnitude where we focus, so firefighters in California with their crazy, like it's, it, I think it's the human psyche that just follows crises and then lift those people up or just appreciate them effusively. I think it's probably just part of our uh, our psyche. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how else I can say that. So you haven't learned anything about yourself? Just <laughs> yeah. kidding. No, I, I actually wanted to ask you about that, George, because it's, uh, it's an interesting thing that I've thought of. And so my public health team that I work with, and I'm not a public health nurse like they are, but they're, I'm sure they're in the same boat as you are. People are falling over themselves to cancel their holidays so that they can work right now, so that they can chase down mm -hmm. contacts and so that they can do... Uh, all the things that they've been trained to do, because this is it. But they're not doing anything different than what they've been trained for or what they would have done two years ago. It's just, it's been, now there's lots of work to be done and they're stepping mm -hmm. up to do that work, but they're not doing different work than they've done before. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well. And I, I suspect you're yeah. doing the same thing. You're treating people who have the flu um, and who have these same symptoms as you've seen before. It's just, there's more work now and there's more focus on it. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's a bit, it's a crucible. Like it's very distilled. I think there's something that's very important to acknowledge that's missing. The threat level and the element of danger is real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and so, yeah, George, you practice in the ICU, but it's not something that's contagious like this thing. Like a year ago, you know, you didn't have to get screened. You know, the uncertainty and the re the fear is real. So we're expecting people, oh yeah, I, I can juggle and, uh, ride the unicycle, so, you know, it's the way I was trained for, but now somebody's shooting at me <laughs> and I'm doing it really well. You know, like I think, you know, but it's also protecting other people. And I think that's it. When we're scared and we need to be comforted, healthcare is doing that for us right now, right? And we feel great, people feel grateful, you know, and I think, I don't think it's the same as a year ago. And I, you know, yes, they did train, but we're asking them to go into circumstances that are, are legitimately uh, more dangerous and more uncertain. Uh, and I think that that's, that's where it elevates it to another level of appreciation. Because it's not like we don't appreciate teachers and we don't appreciate doctors. We don't appreciate, you know, but it's certain moments where that becomes elevated because of the cost and because of the risk and because of the comfort, right? Yeah, I think that's a good point, Steve, because mm -hmm. the other thing too is the, this came out of nowhere and all of a sudden, boom, impacted all of our lives, right? So every day the prime minister goes on TV and he says, hey, Canadians, it's dangerous to be out in public right now. Stay home and stay safe. I say, 
oh, fuck, I'm staying home and I'm staying safe. Okay. The nurse who lives next door to me, he said, oh, but not you. You have to go out every day and, and be in danger. And that's a pretty distinct division between <laughs> two people who may not have ever compared their lives side by side like that before. Right. And so that's why I think, you know, what, what Steve was saying, there's like a risk factor that some people are having to embrace and other people are not. And those of us that don't have to, I mean, you know, I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate. George mm-hmm. is the least fortunate, except George, you've trained your whole life to do this. And the ICU is a, is a space that's, you know, you're comfortable putting on PPE and going into rooms with infectious patients. You've been doing it for 20 years, right? You know, Bruce, this is new for you. You've got a, a heightened risk at your work all of a sudden, right? It's crazy. You're getting called into work. 100%. Yep. Steve and I are, Steve and I are in control of our own destiny and we're able to say, yeah, shit, I'm just going to make the choices that are, will keep my family safest. That's like random, um, uh, you know, it's like good fortune, almost random, random good fortune, right? <laughs> and so those of us who are on the, on the winning end of that, I think just are trying to express appreciation for for the rest of people who are not. You know what? I'm going to take it back. I do want your adoration. I never said adoration. <laughs> I said appreciation. Send money. Send money. <laughs> I want it all. Bring it on. Bring it on. I've, I've misspoke. You're right. I am a hero. <laughs> I have a cape. Yeah, we, we, know, we know you too well. We've seen you as a dick too. So yeah, yeah. We, we get into this stuff and about all the things that are going to change. And I know it's not related to the original question about you know what what have we learned about ourselves? But we'll only change if this goes on longer. Mm. I mean, you can still see, like there are CEOs still trying to milk their companies. You got friggin' Bezos trying to get his people to pay. Uh, you know, you've got people on Alert. LinkedIn still selling Alert. and trying to- Deep thoughts know, to coming up. Branding and, you know, like, unless we go deep into this thing, I don't think things are going to change. I think things are going to go back and people are going to forget how difficult it was. That's what my worry is. Unfortunately, the change will be probably directly proportional to the suffering, but that's where the real change happens. I don't think people even really believe how real this is. Like they got to stop and go like, you know, I bet you in the Great Depression, people didn't stop and go, are we in a depression? Right. Whereas I still stop some days and see the traffic and see people hanging out and getting groceries and stuff. Go, Or or are we in the middle of a pandemic? Right. And now now we're, we're very fortunate because we're in Canada. I'm sure there are places very real in the world that are not experiencing the same kind of orchestration and well-planned execution as George's. There's places where they don't have everything that they need and they're exposed and they are, uh, you know, they were taught to spin six plates and they're being asked to spin 40. And there's places where people are dying, you know, in large numbers every day. And I'm sure that they're the change, they're thinking about real changes. I think that the people that are still comfortable and protected right now are not thinking about how things are changed. They talk about the new normal, but they really want to get back to normal and take out the new. You know, so there's a number of ways of, of looking at this for sure. It wasn't really it wasn't related to the question, bit of a tangent, but uh... no, actually, that's a very good point. Is I think probably the reason why I kind of rebuff that whole hero thing is every province in this country and territory has advantages that most places on earth do not have and you know india would be a good example and hungary and there's like there's lots of interesting examples of how quickly the governments have clamped down but have provided little to no support for frontline health workers i think those people are legitimately in danger because they don't have any protection Mm. i don't think i'm in danger because 
I have the support of our healthcare system to enable me to do my job in a safe manner. So I don't feel, I, I don't, like I, people feel like, how do you feel? Do you feel anxious? No, absolutely not. Yeah. I don't feel in any, any anxiety. There are definitely people around this world that are putting themselves in harm's way legitimately. Those people deserve my respect because I'd have to think twice. I'd have to think twice if I would put myself in harm's way without appropriate backup. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, great way to put it. Echoing what Les said, I, I like the, the appreciation versus the heroes. There's going to be some time, hopefully, in everybody's life where you get to step up and use your skills or where you, you know what I mean? Like you're, it's your Stanley Cup kind of, it's your Everest, and this is yours, George, and we want to appreciate that and the people yeah. that you work with and everybody in our organizations. And somewhere down the road, that's going to be hopefully Steve and me and Les. I'm, I'm not sure what Les and I bring to the table, but we're still working on well, it. Well, Bruce, but but come on. I mean, you you said like this is your boss's Stanley Cup, right? You work in public yeah. health. This is a huge this is a huge thing for your organization and for you professionally as well. You know, don't count yourself out of that conversation. You're actually right. It's a it's a big time for us, and and I just missed ten days of holidays too, right? That I kind of had booked and went in and worked, and that's okay. It's exciting times. It's it's kind of fun to get called up and to to work hard sometimes. So yeah. no, I agree yeah. with you, hundred percent. Stevie, back to the question just before we keep moving. What have you discovered about yourself? Yeah, it's very similar to George. So don't feel don't feel bad, George. I, I think I said in one of the podcasts, I, like it's very small things that bother me, but the really big crazy things don't really get to me much. I think what I've, it's more of an affirmation and, you know, confirmed. I, I just really do well in crisis and helping people. Like it just, it's just something that, uh, that I do all the time. I think I realized more than ever, just how disorganized I am. <laughs> like I live in disorganization. So that when everybody else gets disorganized, it just feels really weird because everything seems out of sorts. I learn a lot about other people. I'll tell you that much. Cause you guys know, I study human behavior and I'm paying very close attention working with hospitals now and commerce companies and manufacturing companies and you get to see how people respond and as i'm learning a lot about uh the difference between judgment and character <laughs> yeah we all make poor judgments but there's some people now that are behaving in ways through this that are revealing uh very very poor character uh, and that's what i hope people remember when we come through this how did people get treated um but yeah anyway <laughs> I can't see what that says. Oh, wait, yes, that the answer to that is yeah. I'm just messing with you, man. I think you said, are you coming out, Steve? Is that what's going on here? Like, is this a moment? I'm just enjoying the fact that we have our first ever video conference. This is really powerful stuff. Bruce, I think that's it. I don't, there's not a lot of new learning about me. Uh, but a lot of confirmations about uh, who I am and what's important to me, for sure. Excellent point, Steve. It's actually what you're learning about other people. I think this is a, that's, that's, a, that's actually a very good point. I think we'll all reflect on the 10 or 20 people that we most interact in our lives with. And when you put them in a pressure cooker situation, how do they react? How do they support you? I'm learning a lot about my kids. My kids are under a stressful time in their life. I remember talking to them just a couple of days ago, you know, how do they feel being out of school? And they were just, wow, dad, I, you know, you've always talked about how important school was to you and education. And wow, I didn't realize how important school was to me. And they started cycling in, you know, all my friends are there and my social circles are there. And it's kind of like my job, like I get up and I go somewhere and I come back. And now all of that's been taken away from me. So I think it's, it's interesting to see uh, your children and your friends and your family 
react to it because as Steve has said a hundred times, their experience is clearly different than mine. I'm elevating, I'm high, uh, I'm looking forward to going to work. I love my team dynamic. Not everybody is having such a positive experience through all this and I and I sometimes forget that. To kind of add on to that, you and I touched on it, Georgie, but smart Dumb, dumb, smart people. Is that what we were calling them? You, you see some of your friends yeah, that stupid, you stupid, smart people, stupid, smart people that part of it's just values, but they start making decisions that, that we disagree with. And it's because we're in a pressure cooker and you, you see people moving around and doing things that you think, really, this is happening. So it is, it's an interesting time. I'll bring it to a wrap on the central question. Mine's very similar to Les's actually, which is kind of a funny way, I think, to bring this full circle. But what I've discovered about myself is I'm a busy guy because I'm in Thompson and don't move around, I have a lot of programmed activities. So I play hockey a couple times a week and I'm in community band and, and I like all those things or I, I think I like all those things and I, I don't want to give up any of them that have stacked up. But now that I can't do any of them, I don't miss them nearly as much as I thought I would. I, I think I'm a little bit like less. Like I don't mind having extra free time, if you want to call it that, to, to do other things and to not be programmed. And it's still sort of, I think, a little bit like a long vacation, but I don't miss them either. I, I really thought I would miss not seeing all those groups of people very regularly, and I like being connected to our community. That's kind of part of my identity, I think. But so far, this is okay, too. <laughs> I was saying to Alex this morning, uh, when, I, when I was thinking about that, I was talking to her about it, and I said, you know, it has been a month. Like, let's check in after three months, six months, a year. Hopefully it doesn't go that long, right? But yeah. And we might feel very different about it because maybe this is long holiday mode versus actual changing lifestyle mode. But honestly, like I think I think it's a, a healthy mental exercise right now too to think through the things that we're experiencing in our life right now that we may want to take with us after this end. I had fallen into this routine of just doing all those things just because I do them. I didn't dislike any of them, but maybe now I'm realizing... I didn't love them as much as I thought I did. So it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's been kind of an interesting idea, but it's same thing, less for sure. Let's let's redo this exact conversation in six months where we're like, yeah. oh God, I miss my friends. I'm dying here, right? So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah there, was a, there was a good quote. I can't remember who said it, but it's been floating around. It's in the rush to return to normal, maybe we should slow down and consider which normal we want to run back to. Yep. Or which aspects of normal do we want to run back to? Yep. Wow. We were off balance before going into this COVID. Yeah. So people are saying, oh, it's the COVID, it's the COVID. Fuck that. We were off balance going into it. This has just forced us to to really consider what's important and uh, what we need to change. Yeah. Somebody say, hey, we want some snow day. Hey, we want some snow day. Snow day. Snow day. Lightning round. What you watching? Good, bad, or just what are you on? Lester, you've been tweeting out about old basketball games, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more than that. Well, shit, I'll tell you, I'm I'm happy. I mean, obviously, as a you know, for sports fans, this is a really tough time, and it's going to be a tough time like going forward for a long period of time, right? Like I was reading an article yeah. last night about about sports as we know it is not coming back for a long time. I've been enjoying watching some of the reruns. I watched the uh, the rerun of the 86 Masters the other day when <laughs> Nicholas won his final major and it's kind of fun to look back. You know, TSN's been showing all of the, uh, the Raptor playoff games from last year, 24 games and 24 nights. I've been tuning into a bunch of those. So that's been good. But I think what we were talking about was... Uh, 
what what have we been binge watching? Like, what's the the Netflix or streaming shows of choice that we've been watching? So I've got three quick ones here. One that I think I watched episode one of a couple of years ago when it first came out and soured on it. And then Alex talked me into it the other night and we watched two seasons of it. I can't rave enough about how good I thought this series was. And that's Big Little Lies, the uh, hmm. HBO series. The acting is just fucking phenomenal. But it's also such a it's all shot in uh, California in and around Malibu. And it's so beautiful to look at. And the soundtrack is incredible. It's just a very good, relaxing experience to watch right now if you're looking <laughs> for something on Netflix. The other thing that I got into uh, that I that I think might be brand new on, on Netflix, I don't know, is the uh, the Hillary Clinton biography series, miniseries. I started watching that. Haven't seen very, that. Very, very well done. Yeah. George is laughing because he knows that I will read anything uh, biographical about a president or a politician. He always makes fun of my bookshelf. I've got tons of presidential biographies <laughs> on it. And then I decided the other day, you know, for something to keep things light, because Alex has never watched it. We started with season one, episode one of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And <laughs> <laughs> because the new season is out and I haven't watched it yet. There are 10 seasons and 100 episodes. So I plan on slowly making my way through the entire Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> library. Wow. To keep, wow. keep the chuckles going when we need to keep things light around here half an hour at a time so that's that's my list that's my quick hit list for this for this month georgie what you watching yeah embarrassingly i have to say tiger king so mega you know there's been tons of i I know i know hello all you cats and kittens out there whatever uh (laughs) that woman says the only reason why i broke down it was so i hate reality tv because it's completely non-reality it's totally distorted and i just think it's grotesque it it just it, it magnifies the the bad parts of the personality of any human being. However, you know, well, I'm in living in a different situation and Megan's been watching it and binging it. Uh, and she watched the entire series. And she said, just like Les just said, I will watch it with you a second time because I love it so much. <laughs> and so my routine for this whole week of work is I would come home and depending if I was on call or not, I would have a drink and I would put on Tiger mm-hmm. King you know, there's a lot of truth about the type of people that are into big cats. Oh, yeah. It's the stuff we make fun of all the time. And, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it, it hooked me. I was surprised. Like, I wasn't, you know, begging to watch it. But there was a lot of interesting, convoluted storylines in there. So, yeah, I broke down and I watched The Tiger King. And the good thing about that is when you watch a show that everybody's talking about or tweeting about, I've actually... M- talked about a few things during rounds about it like i'll <laughs> quote something or i'll refer to something and then my residents who are like 20 years my junior will kind of like nervously laugh because they're not sure if i'm making fun of them or for people who watch it and then i have to go no legit i just watched the show last night <laughs> so i've used it kind of as a way to connect people i'm sure steve you know he's been whinging binging on some like emotionally taxing show like what, what have you been watching steve <laughs> some pain and suffering shows yeah no 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 actually that's, that's hilarious well it's funny because i don't watch a lot of tv unless i'm doing it with someone else because i i either like to write or think or read but um being with my boys i've been uh, recycling some some movies and stuff but in terms of what streaming I went back to norseman by the way if anyone hasn't seen the norseman yet on netflix uh holy smokes mm. i would put it up there it's the the writing is absolutely brilliant and it's hilarious if the actual first episode of the first season does not 
does not draw you in, then you you won't you won't like it. It's a parody on the Viking. Yeah, it's a parody on the Viking. It's it's hard to explain, but it's absolutely hilarious. It's my second time running through it, and uh, Ozark. Oh, Ozark is, is uh, good. Yeah. We watched that. Yeah, so I just finished the third season of Ozark. Crazy. Because I do. I like the deep emotional kind of stuff that's... You got me pinned there, George. But I also like a lot of comedy. So um, I just watched Chappelle's uh, Mark Twain acceptance, and that was actually very good. You know, I, I, I tell people, you know, when they ask me why do I like Chappelle, the first word that comes to mind is genius. Like, he is intellectually a genius. And so that kind of is showcased the Mark Twain special that was just released on uh, Netflix. So yeah, but I'm I'm not going to watch Tiger King. From what I've heard of it, it's, it sounds like everything I, I hate about the world. So <laughs> I'm going to have to say that Tiger King's probably lucky that the pandemic came when it was released because people have nothing else to watch. Uh, so it became a it became a sensation. We did a lap through Tiger King out here at the lake last weekend or in the last couple of weeks, and it is a stunning look into a different part of the world. Is I mean, it's it's to think like these are real people, and I know they play it up a bit as a reality show and stuff, but this is like a Florida is. I've never been there. Well, sort of. We went to Disney, but never done like a good tour through Florida. It oh, just yeah. feels like another yeah. planet to me. Like it's crazy. Tiger King is documentary gold. Like the characters on it are just unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and they have so much footage, yeah. right? Like that guy, the lead guy, whatever his name is, like he videotaped his whole life and the other ladies. So they, they just have so much material to work with that it, it might have been on my best and worst. We got halfway through the first episode and I actually hit pause and had to start a conversation. But OK, this is scripted, right? Like there's no way this is real. This is so outrageous that these people actually exist in this way. <laughs> this has got to be fucking scripted, right? And we had to like do a little research on the internet and say, no, I'd say, yeah. okay, fuck, let's watch yeah. the rest of it. It's real. Nerd kids have finally got their revenge. Murphy mm -hmm. watches video games on TV, like League of Legends is his game. And so the League Championship Series is on right now. Yeah. And it's like watching sports. They have commentators. It's it's sort of like a blend between wrestling yeah. and yeah. like real sports, for lack of calling wrestling a real sport. It's crazy. And his favorite team is in the championship right now. And he went home from the lake to watch LCS. And so for all the sports fans that are at home crying tears, the video gamers, because yeah. they... They don't get together. They all play from their house and they still have their, their season is on and their favorite yeah, teams and no everything. Kidding. So they've got their e nerdy revenge. Esports is actually taking over. <laughs> and to that, to that end, I saw the other day that uh, the only thing going on in the NBA right now is they were, they were televising a, uh, a tournament of NBA players playing NBA 2K against each other head to head, <laughs> trying to capitalize on esports. <laughs> we did... Tiger King. I haven't been watching a lot of TV. You guys know I'm a podcast guy and my, my podcast list right now, I got down a crazy oh. rabbit hole of gangster rap uh, documentaries. So uh, Mogul is a series. They've, they've got a bunch of seasons and the very, the most recent one was on two live crew yeah. when they sort of how they emerged and how all their troubles with the law. It's University of Miami. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's super good. The most recent yeah. season of Slow Burn, which did a thing on President Clinton, their most recent season is on Tupac and yes. uh, Notorious B.I.G. And their sort of their their war and stuff. Bruce, thanks for the tip on that uh, on that Slow Burn podcast. I didn't know that that was out with uh, with the gangster rap. I've actually been reading. I, I'm going back and forth between two books right now as I'm reading. One of which is very heavy, called Proof of Conspiracy by a lawyer in the U.S. called Seth Abramson. 
very dense book on like sort of political conspiracy theories. And I've been interspersing <laughs> that with reading The History of Gangster Rap, which is fantastic. I'll give you the book when I'm finished. It starts at the very beginning and each chapter is sort of a of a of a division in time. So that's awesome. Send it over. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Murph and I listened yeah. to Gangster Rap all the way out from town the other day, although he's got some newer material than our yeah, glory probably. days of Gangster Rap. But I'll forever be stuck in the NWA era. <laughs> totally right. That's That's where we are. Love the Zoom call. We'll have to do it again next time. It's awesome to be able to see each other. I really like it. You know what? I've been watching old movies with my kids. I might watch Revenge of the Nerds. The The problem yeah. when you go back to that, the Hughes 80s, all this stuff that we thought was hilarious, like in Porky's, <laughs> is so grotesquely inappropriate now, uh, you know, that I some, I, you sometimes forget. You sometimes forget <laughs> yeah. how crazy... 80s references are even if there's not lots of swearing like things that were just normal back then that clearly we've evolved so uh i don't know if revenge of the nerds would be like a safe movie no it it would i'll tell you i'll take a pass on that one yeah yeah you get into watching how about don't don't watch blazing saddles (laughs) oh that's that's a classic though right yeah well show it when they're 18 wait till you watch it (laughs) her airplane candy graham candy graham candy graham from mango Sign, please. Thank you. Mungo like candy. Candy grab Mr. Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch Blazing Saddles tonight. <laughs> George, maybe you should just take it easy and introduce your kids to Archie Bunker first if you want to play it safe. <laughs> Start calling Sebastian Meathead. There's no, there's, there's no swearing in it. It's just pure, pure unadulterated racism. That's all. <laughs> yeah, it's straight, straight up. up. Straight up. That's it. That's the end. You probably found us already on social media, but if not, at SnowDayPod. Tell your friends. We've also got an email, snowdaypod at gmail.com. Send us a voice memo. Maybe we'll put your voice on the show. Thanks to the rest of our team, Social Media Todd, Producer Mike, and the secret weapon, Shannon Bison. <laughs>